It is Friday night in Phoenix, and you're listening to the Absolute Geek Podcast, the only podcast that is not too afraid to admit that we would go down on Catwoman, even if Batman wouldn't. My name is Matt. What's going on, guys and gals over there in the internet, Lance? I'm so excited to be back with you for another week of the Absolute Geek Podcast. Look, we got a huge show for you tonight. Lots of stuff going on. Um, hopefully going to have some special guests stopping by. That's why the setup's a little bit different this week because I haven't quite perfected the new setup yet for when I have multiple people on the podcast, but hopefully we have a couple guests stopping by tonight to talk to you about Batman Reptilian. Super looking forward to that. By special request, hopefully Corbin's going to be here to talk that um, because, you know, the fans want to know what Corbin has to say about Batman Reptilian. And God damn it, I do too, quite frankly. Um, So yeah, so hopefully we got that. I know we got Ishtavan stopping by uh, to talk about Batman Reptilian also and give us a little sneak peek on what he thinks the hot books next week are going to be at comic shops so you can get out there and pick those books up, be ready to go next Tuesday and Wednesday when those hot new books hit the shelves. So you just be like, give me that, 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 give me that. Give me a little bit of everything. So you are special, Solo. Welcome, Solo, Solo. Thank you for stopping in, my brother. What makes you think you wouldn't be special? Huh? You're the solo Wookiee, the best beard in the business. Let me tell you what. Chad says, the only finest book that's dropped this week. Oh, yeah, the Batman Retellion. Look, we're going to get into it because I, I I don't know. I read it. I picked it up on on Chad here's uh, recommendation. I read it. I don't know. We'll, we'll get there, though. We'll get to Batman Retellion a little bit. But what I'm going to start this week is normally I save reviews for last but this week since i've got ish coming in and and hopefully corbin and and some people to talk about this i'm going to um start off this week with a little review of um fast nine so let me get this i'm gonna share my screen here there we go sure there we go fast nine so i went back to the theaters last night that's right matt returned to the matinee I've I've been there since the big scary has happened, but you know this is the first time I went to the movies, and it you know it was actually somewhat packed. It was more than you know ten people in the theater. the The popcorn was flowing. the The drinks were were pouring. The candy was whatever. You know the nachos were crunching. What whatever stupid analogy you want to make about going to the movie. But went back to the theaters, enjoyed myself. It was a good time. Um, it was nice to be back watching a movie amongst a crowd. You know, here in Arizona, they've pretty much relaxed the the rules with the big scary, so you don't have to wear masks if you're fully vaccinated, yada, yada, yada. 
So, when saw Fast 9. All right. If you're looking to afford to Fast 9, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to put it that way. Look, Fast 9 returned us to the world of the Fast and the Furious. We, we caught up once again with Dominic Toretto and his family and cast of characters and see what they're up today. This movie starred John Cena. The plot of it is uh, you get a little bit more backstory into the Toretto's. You get to see a little bit, you know, nine movies later, you get to see the events that took place that caused Dominic Toretto to get arrested. And they talk about how he beat a dude with a wrench in the first movie. So this, you get to see his, his dad die in a flashback series, you know, sequence. You get to see a lot of stuff that's already set up about this movie and in previous ones play out in this one. It follows the story that John Cena is Dominic Toretto's brother and he, you know, his uh, whole, like, he's trying to, I don't know, it's so convoluted. So he plays Jacob Toretto. He's trying to to capture this device that's going to allow him to to hack the world to become the biggest superpower he wants to himself. You don't really know who the bad guy in this movie is. It's all kind of just all over the place. It's it's a lot of all over the place. But you know, the series goes to space. They sh- hook a a Fiero up and shoot it into space. And this movie is just it's all over the place, man. Like there's a lot of times in this movie where I I stopped and I was like, I'm done here. I think I'm done here. And then I'm like, you know what? So many years, nine movies later, you got there's only two left. You got to see it to the finish, right? And I think that's what I got to do. I got to see it to the finish because, again, two movies left. I've already dedicated all of this time into this movie, into this franchise. I might as well keep going. Yes, I'm sure, Patrick, good to see you, my brother. I'm sure Vin Diesel does smell better. Than Brad Pitt. I like to think that Vin Diesel smells like motor oil, sandalwood, and just gold. I I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to say he smells like, he's always grilling, so I'm going to smell. say he smells like grilled chicken, sandalwood, and motor oil. I, th- I think that's the Vin Diesel smell right there. What do you guys think? But uh, good to, Good to see everyone in the chat tonight. Solo, thanks for coming, Chad. What's up, brother? Uh, Mrs. The Hun, good to see you as always. Aaron, great to see you, even though you're right behind me. Um, Patrick, thanks for stopping by, brother. It's it's going to be a good show, but hopefully. Um, but, yeah, Fast and Furious 9, I mean, where do they go from here? They've pretty much gone everywhere. I'm, I'm trying to do this as spoiler-free as I can because I know there's a lot of people that are looking forward to this because it's that that big blockbuster movie to get you back to the theaters. It's that movie that they're pushing to get you from your couch, from the safety of your home, to face the big scary and go to the theaters again and return to commerce and and go to the theaters. And I don't know. I don't know if this is the movie. I think Black Widow will be that movie. Not sure this is that movie. Um... I mean, if you like, you know, ridiculous storylines, Looney Tune physics, fast cars, ridiculous stunts, fight scenes that make you scratch your head and go, that would kill a human, then this is the movie for you. Um, definitely was not my favorite movie of the Fast franchise. Wasn't 
wasn't it might have been the worst. It let's be honest. It it could have very 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 well been the worst. And I like Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift's a good guilty pleasure for me. I know that's going to be the one that people are like Tokyo Drift sucked, but to me it's a guilty pleasure. I think this this these two right here are tied like one and two. This and Tokyo Drift are definitely tied one and two for worst fast movies. But I just yeah, yeah, the plane isn't <laughs> the same as every other one. Yes, Fast Five is by far the best one in the franchise. I thought six was good too. Six, seven, and I mean, even eight was a little outlandish too. I mean, I think once <laughs> the whole Paul you know, Paul Walker did so much for this this franchise. Once they lost him, it just this franchise tanked, man. But I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. I just it's just stupid cheesy popcorn action, man, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's all about family at the end of the day, right? Fast cars and family, right? That's what Fast and the Furious is built on. Fast cars and family. And when I like I said I don't know. Look look the the plot is you have Jacob Toretto, who is the brother of Dominic and Mia Toretto, who in the past Dominic blames for him killing his father in a race car stunt. You find out that wasn't the case. He's trying to steal this this weapon that he's got to launch into you know launch into hack a satellite in space that'll give him the power of over everyone in the world. He'll be the most powerful man in the world, own every superpower, and so they have to try to stop him. And you know they go they shoot two people into space in a Fiero. With a rocket to the back of it, for God's sakes, to take out a satellite. You know, they, it's just, you don't know. And then they have Charlie Saren Cypher, if you remember the last movie where she kind of like puppet mastered Dominic Toretto and going against his own team. And she's in this. And you don't really, you can't really decipher who the bad guy is in this. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. I'm gonna give this movie a uh, a D minus. So there you go. There's my review of Fast and the Furious Fast Nine. It's it's a jumbled mess, just like this review. So what are you gonna do? Am I right? So all right, we're gonna move on here to geek news. A little bit of geek news this week. Mrs. Hunt. It's hard to admit that they've gone downhill since Paul Walker's past. He was literally the worst actor ever. Of course. Good acting is exactly required for these. I disagree. I thought he was a fantastic actor for these movies. Like, it just, it did. It, I don't know. It just, where do they go? So they got to try to get more outlandish and more outlandish and more outlandish to, to keep driving this story. And they got to keep, like, upping themselves. But when a car is driving across a bridge that's literally falling down but somehow still makes it across, or he hits this bridge that's already been taken out and it, Somehow he jams the the wire in the car wheel well, so it like swings him around onto a cliff. It's it's Looney Tunes. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous, is what it is. But let's go ahead and get into a little bit of geek news this week, guys. Uh, we're gonna start with the Warren Ellis stuff. Like if you paid it, if you remember this time last year, Warren Ellis basically got me too. It came out that he was grooming and um, basically, like I said, grooming women to be his protégés in exchange for sex and people were getting hyped this week when they heard that uh his book unfinished book fell was getting released from image comics 
So that kind of brought this whole Warren Ellis Me Too grooming thing back to um, light, back to the forefront here. Um, so Image Comics stepped forward, and and they were taking some heat because you know the the accusers were coming out saying, "How are you gonna? How can you do this?" You know, how can you give this man that respect? How can you bring him back into the forefront of comics after everything that's come out and everything that's been done? And look, I'm a firm believer in guilty until or well, innocent until proven guilty. And all you, all these accusers and stuff, I respect them, and I respect what they've gone through. But we do still live in a country where you got to give people their due process, and that you know, no matter what you're do, you're you're entitled to that due process. So I don't think you can jump the gun and try somebody in a court of public opinion. You got to kind of let the process, the, the process take out. Now he has almost basically admitted his actions. Cause he's kind of come out and said, you know, look, I'm trying, I would love to start a dialogue with these people. I want to start a conversation. I want to get this out in the open. I don't want my, I want to change my actions and not, you know, erase the past, but move forward and, be a, a champion in the future and not be a part of the problem. And so he has kind of admitted and he's kind of apologized in ways to, to everyone who's hurt, even though he hasn't done it by name, this, this, and the other thing. But so image comics kind of came out and took their stance on it. Once the news hit that fell was coming back and they said, our statement on Warren Ellis, this week's fell announcement was neither planned nor vetted. and was in fact premature while finishing Warren Ellis's and Ben Temple Smith's fell is something we've been looking forward to for years. Image Comics will not be working with Ellis on anything further until he has made amends to the satisfaction of all involved. It is our sincere hope that the conversations that are being beginning now will result in a positive change for everyone. So there you go. You got Image Comics taking a stand against the Warren Ellis situation. And all this stuff is still premature. We don't know a lot of it of what's going on other than what's already been put out in front of us. But if you were looking forward to fell, sorry, but it looks like image has put the kibosh on that. That's going back on the shelf probably for another 13 years. And who knows if that series will ever be finished or see the light of day, but there you go. Image is kind of distancing themselves even further from Warren Ellis, which you can't, I can't say that I blame them. Right. Moving on, we got Miles Morales news. We got with the uh, the 10-year anniversary. It's hard to, to believe, I know. 10 years of Miles Morales um, is upon us. I believe it's issue 30 kicks off the 10-year anniversary of Miles Morales. We're going to see Sarah Pacelli returning to the character um, to write some stuff for their big extravaganza that they've got planned for this issue the 10th anniversary of Spider of Miles Morales, 10 years, and he's getting a new costume. And this kind of plays into some some other uh, things Miles Morales related, but he's getting a new costume. And this new costume kind of um, goes back to almost, you get very Spider-Man homecoming vibes from this, very homemade vibes from this costume. And... He's got it. Still could, keeps that red and black, but it's a more of like a red and black tracksuit. He's got the all black mask with the red eyes. He's got the matching sneakers, so it gives you kind of that that you know Edge of Spider or not Edge of Spider Verse, but um, into the Spider Verse slash Spider Man Homecoming vibes 
with Miles Morales. And also sticking with that, with that 10 years of Miles Morales, it's also the anniversary of Captain America. So we got some Captain America homage covers that are going to be coming next month for certain books. And we got our first look at the Captain America, Miles Morales. Now, we don't know if this is one of his clones because you remember if you're reading Miles right now, he is deeply vetted in the clone saga of his own. Um, so we don't know if this is a clone. We don't know if Miles this issue. This is the, um, I believe, 28 cover. This cover is the conclusion to the clone saga. So we don't know if, it, if the clone of his becomes Miles Morales, or not becomes Miles Morales, but becomes Spider-Man or Captain America, or, or what's going to happen. All we know is that this is the homage cover for um, Captain America's anniversary as well. Uh, Solo Wookie says, tracksuits are only fashionable in Russian mi miles. Hey, man, Slavs, Slavs and tracksuits. Squatting, bro. That's that's what tracksuits are good for, right there. But uh, Captain America, Miles Morales. It's kind of fitting that they gave him this this costume. This is the original sketch here of it, and this is the finished product. I like it that it kind of pays to his Puerto Rican roots a little bit while sitting with Captain America, and he's got you know his black costume here with the red, white, and blue and the shield. I think the cover's dope. Cover is fantastic, and it kind of pays homage to throwback here uh marvel civil war 2 where we had preludes of miles morales killing the hydra agent captain america so that's kind of cool that they are kind of hinting at that but giving him the costume there in the red white and blue super stoked for that love this cover uh you can still foc it at your local comic shop so if you want to get this cover when it comes out I'm sure it's going to be a, a spicy meatball in the flipper world. Not that I know anything about that, but I'm sure it's going to be a hot cover to come after in the the secondary market. So, <laughs> Mrs. The Hun, my kid has a Russian gangster tracksuit. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so moving on, we're getting a new team writing on the Spider-Man comic. Nick Spencer is leaving The Amazing Spider-Man, and we're going to get a new team on that book. And with that new team comes the tease of the death of Peter Parker once again. All right. So, I mean, we're getting uh, Kelly Thompson, uh, Cody Ziegler, Patrick Gleason. They're all going to be the new team. You know, Patrick Gleason, he's, his art has exploded over the last couple months with his Spider-Man covers. He did all the web like webhead covers, um, the red, what is red, white, and blues, I believe. Yeah, red, white, and blue for the first, second, and third printings. He uh, did the a Venom one. He did the Carnage webhead cover for Carnage, red, white, and blood. Um, he's going to be taking over a lot of the duties on The Amazing Spider-Man. And we got the first teaser coming out. They're taking over as of Spider-Man 5 in October. We got the first teaser of the death of Peter Parker. I don't know if I'm... Do we need to see Death of Peter Parker again? He's already been killed in the Ultimate Universe. He's been killed once here in taking over with Doc Ock. And they're going to try and try and wipe him out again. I don't know. But in doing so, they've also announced that the next series is going to be about Ben Riley, Almost confirming that they're killing Spider-Man. 
So once they finish the Miles clone saga, they're moving right into bringing back Peter Parker's clone and Ben Riley. Uh, I like Ben Riley. Dig the new suit. Um, I'm interested to see what what they do with it. I've been a big, 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 big fan of Sp- this of Nick Spencer's uh, Amazing Spider-Man run. I think he's done great work. I was hoping, which I'm sure many Spider-Man fans were, that once uh, th- it was announced that. Nick Spencer was leaving. Donnie Cates, who was just writing Venom and Thor and Silver Surfer Black and just everything that's top of the charts right now, was going to take over writing Spider-Man and and kind of launch him back into that stratosphere, putting him back on that top of the kingdom where he belongs. Because, look, when you think Marvel Comics, it's synonymous with Spider-Man, just like DC is synonymous with, with Batman. You can say Superman, but let's, let's be honest. It's Batman. Superman... No one cares about that Boy Scout, but you and and as much as I've loved Spencer's run, he didn't really do anything to re-solidify the re you know Spider-Man's place in the Marvel universe. And I think they need that big writer to go ahead and and put him back on top. I don't think killing him off and replacing him with Ben Riley is the way to do it. Um. But who knows? We're we're gonna see. We got we got some big. We got the Sinister Wars coming up. We've got the the Chameleon stuff coming up in Spider Man. So it's gonna be interesting to see, um, what leads up to this this changeover in creative teams and what leads to Peter Parker's death and Ben Riley taking over the mantle in issue seventy five and just kind of where everything is gonna go from here. But who knows? Um, we got big news this week that Transformers is coming back with another live-action uh, movie, and this time we're going to have Rise of the Beasts, and it is going to uh, come from Beast Wars. And if you're looking at it, so you're going you're gonna to have, it's going to be set in the 90s, and, it's, and I think if you're a fan of the Beast Wars cartoons, and I've seen it kind of all over the internet this week, and people are like, awesome, man, Beast Wars, fuck yeah, Beast Wars movie. You're not. I don't think you're gonna. I don't. I don't think you're gonna be as excited, man. I think you're gonna be a little upset. I think you need to go into this movie, tone down your expectations. Bumblebee was good. That was the last real good Transformers movie. Bumblebee was good, but they're only sprinkling in the the Beast Wars characters. You you got some characters from Beast Wars that are confirmed already. Not a lot of them has been have been confirmed. I think they're gonna be some that are going to surprise us. Um, it, it they're saying it's gonna be a combination of your Autobots, your Dinobots, your um Decepticons. You know, the it, it's gonna be a mixture of all of them. All right. So if you're going and thinking, yeah, man, it's gonna be Beast Wars. It's not. They're gonna be. They're gonna be sprinkled in. Um. Let's see. Uh, so it says, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Smallville, a couple others, but Soups has been crap for years. Yeah, Soups is, Soups is whack, yo. Um, but so they have confirmed that Optimus Prime is going to be in it, sporting a new G1 look. Longtime Optimus Prime voice actor Peter Cullen will return. Bumblebee has a new off-road uh, Camaro. Scourge is going to be in it. Um, RC as a Ducati 916, uh, Mirage is going to be in it as a blue and silver Porsche 911 Turbo, Nightbird as a Nissan Skyline, 
Um, Air Razor is going to be in it. Rhinox is going to be in it. And Optimus Prime will be in it. Um, they haven't announced Rat Trap yet. They haven't announced Cheetor. Like, you got to have Rat Trap and Cheetor in this, right? Like, those are two big fan favorites from the, the computer animated 90s Beast Wars cartoon. And they've got the Beast Wars comics line right now at, at IDW. Um, so it's it's prime for Beast time, I guess. That's the, the worst thing I could ever say, prime for Beast time. But I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited to see the Maximals and the Predacons and the Terracons in the big screen. But I just don't know how it's going to work and how they're going to bring them in. And I don't know unnecessarily, like, don't you think it's going to be confusing? Because Optimus Primal is a descendant of Optimus Prime. So now you've got Optimus Primal and Optimus Prime in the same movie. And they're not going to be... They're, they're saying that the the Predacons and Maximals and all those are not going to be like this these shiny, tuned-up creatures. You're going to tell that they've been there for years. They're going to be rusted and a little bit broken down and characters are going to be changed up. And so we'll see what happens with this. Um, I know we got a 2022 release date for this movie. No Michael Bay, June 24, June 24, 2022 release date. No Michael Bay. I'm super on board for that. Um, but other than that, I'm just going to take a wait and see attitude. Solo's over here looking at 35-year-old dudes, man. What What's going on, Solo? Is there something you need to tell the class, brother? This is the hunt. Smallville was cool when I was in 10th grade. If you were into 35-year-old dudes playing high school freshmen, <laughs> Solo, I wasn't looking at 35-year-old dudes. All right, bro. Your secret's safe with us. This is a safe place. This is a safe place, Solo. Tell us what, you, tell us what you're really coming at, buddy. It's all right. We're, we're all friends here, right, guys? Um, so there, there's your Beast Wars. You got your Rhinox, uh, Cheetor, Rat Trap, Optimus Primal, Dinobot. They all got to be in there, right? Let's be honest. They're all going to be in that shiznit. Uh, Harrison Ford injured while filming the new Indiana Jones movie. Look, dude, 78 years old. He gets injured preparing for a fight scene. He is practicing for a fight scene, training, working hard. For your movie love, dude throws out his shoulder. Come on. Any I know we've got we've got some Indiana Jones faithful in the chat. Is it okay? Is it time? Look, I, I know we don't like reboots. We don't like recastings. But they've done it with James Bond. Feels like every f- five to ten years, maybe less. James Bond gets rebooted. A new actor comes in to play James Bond. Can we give the man his due? Let Harrison Ford right off into the sunset and just recast? Reboot Indiana Jones? Is it that big a deal? Can you you stand to watch an Indiana Jones movie without Harrison Ford? I can. I was ecstatic when they were talking about bringing in Chris Pratt or somebody else to play this character. The dude survived a plane crash. The dude broke his leg while filming his scenes for for Star Wars. And now he gets hurt throwing out his shoulder. 
practicing for a fight scene in Indiana Jones. Dude, 78 years old, man. You got nothing left to prove. Harrison, it's time, bro. Relax. It's time for you to ride off into the sunset and, and just hand over the reins to Indy. It's okay. I just... This is on Roger Moore was James Bond for two decades. There you go. I understand. But like I said, that we as a fandom, in this fandom, pick and choose like when it's okay. Bring back Max Bender. Bring back Shia. You're out of here. I, I wish I could put you in timeout right now. Bring back Shia. Look, it's okay. We 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 as a fandom pick and choose when it's okay to replace an actor. And I think I think it's time. If you want to either end indie, or if you want to continue indie going, recast. It's all right. Really, what's what's left for a seventy-eight-year-old man to prove is Indiana Jones. He's got to put on his Ben Gay on his back. He's got the ice packs on the knees. All right. He's got. He he can't quite. He's got to have like. I don't know, some robotic arm to, to crack his whip because he just can't quite crack it anymore. He he gets crushed by a boulder because his hearing aids aren't turned up high enough where he just can't hear things coming at him anymore. It's time. It's time to put Indy to bed. And if you're not going to put Indy to bed, recast him. Recast Indiana Jones. Let this man ride off into the sunset because how many more plane crashes... Millennium Falcon doors or stunt coordination, pre-stunt coordination can the man take. I'm not hating on Harrison Ford, but look, let's be honest. If you can't even throw a punch without ripping your rotator cuff or whatever it is he did to throw out his shoulder, it's time. It's time to go. I love you, Harrison. You were great while your time lasted. He is a good-looking dude for his age. That's not... I'm not debating that. I'm not debating whether he is good-looking for his age. I'm just saying. He's a treasure. He is a... a, Every Star Wars fan's treasure. And you're gonna... He can't cheat death multiple times. This is time three. How many more times can you do it? Was he got nine lives like a cat? I don't think so. Mrs. Don said, dude, more was like fucking grandpa and a view to a kill. If you can pull off that, Harrison Ford can scoot around and whip and hanging from the walker. Yeah. Like, it, it's what it's going to be. Like, you're going to see him, like, pushing his walker up, and he's just going to whoosh and whip it and just hold on tight. Tennis balls flying off the ends of it. It's not age shaming. I love Harrison Ford. But at some point, you got to take movies that are a little bit more fit your age. You're not going to see Robert De Niro doing this anymore. You're not going to see, you know, Denzel still does some stuff, but he's still a relatively young man. 78 years old. You don't see Clint Eastwood taking roles like this. Come on. It's time. It's, It's all right, Harrison. You've done enough. We're good here. We're good here. Um, video game news. 
and slash movies. If you're a fan of the uh, video game Borderlands, they've wrapped the movie. You got Jack Black as cra- uh, as Claptrap. So they released the video, uh, the image of Claptrap holding the That's a Wrap Borderlands, the Eli Roth directed movie. Um, so video game enthusiasts, get ready. Kevin Hart's coming to screw up Borderlands because let's be honest. Yikes. Yikes. Um, and also another news, Steven Spielberg shuts down an attempt to reboot Jaws saying that he would never do it. And I'm cool with that. So much. I, I can't even imagine him. Like he probably, he probably gets approached to re- reboot Jaws, right? And the guy comes in and he and and he's like, "All right, Steven, this is what we got for you, buddy." I got Corbin in the background here. Let me add Corbin. What's up, Corbin? What is up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Oh, we got you ish. know, before I came to the Indiana Jones hate, I was doing okay. All right, let me add Ish. I was to doing you. okay. We got Ish Devon and the Hun in the house too. What's up, fellas? Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey. Ish but, in the building. But, all right. Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on, Ish? So, we're talking rebooting Jaws. And I was just to say, Steven Spielberg put the kibosh on that. I'm sure he was approached and was like, look, Steven, we got a, we got a great idea for you here. We're, we wanted to reboot Jaws. And he just probably deadpan said and said, are you fucking serious? He doesn't want to do that shit again. All that trouble with the first Jaws movie, and you want to try to reboot that and, and do it again? He's he's probably like, nah, get out of here. And <laughs> let's be honest, the fact that the the shark was dysfunctional in the first one made it so much better, and it put the suspense that that film needed. If I don't think you have that same suspense if the shark actually worked the way it was supposed to. But what do you what do you think, Corbin? You want another Jaws remake? Nah, I don't find them incredibly compelling, to be honest with you. Um, like, historically, you know, I'm sure they had a, a cinematic uh, presence, you know. It's an institution of oh, franchises, and that's great. But, like, I speak, again, from the reader's perspective, I, I like the book better. Um, I just, the movies are okay. I just don't know how, I mean, we've gotten so many shark movies in between that time that... I'm, yeah, I guess you could make an argument that it's a classic and we're going to go back to the one that started all, but, I mean, I don't really care. I don't really have much of an opinion on it. I'm kind of in the middle there. Like, if they bring it back, sure, I'll give it a watch, but it's not something I asked for. What about you, Ish? Yeah, definitely thumbs down on the idea. It's, we don't we don't need it. Just like Corbin said, we, how many shark movies have we had since? I mean, that's the one that set the standard. So you're never going to make a better version. That's like when they thought they could make a better version of Total Recall. It's like, well, where do they get these notions? But um, yeah, it, that movie's it's and, a, and as far as the thriller, it's a, it's almost a perfect movie. And it's also lightning in a bottle. I don't think they could ever recapture what made that movie special. And it goes down in history as the first blockbuster film. So. You know, in the first blockbuster film, and look at blockbusters now making a gajillion dollars. It's right. you can't revisit something like that. Yeah, no. So no, leave the classics alone. Uh, while you're here, I, go ahead. 
I was actually going to say, can we go back to Indy for a second? Let's do it. Go back to Indy. <laughs> um, that's, Spielberg is not directing that, right? No, he is not directing that film. But I think the choice they picked, and because at first I was like, dude, if Spielberg's not doing it, you know, that's even more so reason to not go ahead. But they picked uh, James Mangold, mm-hmm. director of um, Logan, Wolverine, yep. uh, 310 to Yuma. A lot of different movies. He's actually done movies in several different genres and he's always done a really outstanding job. But, you know, he's not a director of any particular note, but I think that gives promise that he might deliver a good film. But, you know, when the movie comes out in theaters, Harrison Ford's going to be 80 years old. Right. I mean, that's bonkers. It's like Hollywood has no self-awareness. Like even we were laughing about Roger Moore earlier. I mean, he was 62 when they made Beauty of Kill. That's still mm-hmm. 20, almost 20 years younger than the new Indiana Jones. That's crazy. That's kind of wild. I did not but, know that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying, like I said, dude's 80 years old. And the, the last couple movies he's done in Star Wars, and, he, you know, he crashed a plane. He broke his leg when the Millennium Door fell on him in Star Wars. And now he, he throws out his shoulder prepping for – a practice fight. Well, I mean, he's just trying to get warmed up. Yeah, he's just trying to get warmed up. Yeah, he's got to stretch. It's crazy. You know what was it like three, four years ago when they had they were really pushing the notion for uh, to recast or reboot the series with Chris Pratt. Yep, I was. I'm down with and, that. Uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty. Yeah, I was like, all right, that that could actually work. But it's like, has that ship sailed now? And we're still sticking with eighty year old Indy. Well, that was my whole thing. As I said, you know, we we as a fandom pick and choose, it seems like when it's okay to recast somebody. Like, how many times has James Bond been recast? And we just keep on going. We just keep on trucking with James Bond. Like, it's, like it didn't even happen. Why can't it be the same way with Indy? You know, if you want to keep more indie movies, just recast indie and keep it So going. you're saying re- recast but continue the continuity? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because I like I always like the notion of indie movie indie movies moving through time, right? Yeah, I do too. I think you have even to Kingdom have... of Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls was a product of the fifties. It was like a fifties sci fi cheesy yeah. B movie. Mm-hmm. So what would indie be in the sixties? So it's almost like Spider Man Life Story, right? Dead. That'd be that'd be amazing. Instead of being like, yeah, oh, that well, could be pretty cool. You know, oh, it's been sixty years or you know thirty years since Indy's last. But adventure. they should have already recast that. So now you're going to recast from an eighty year old to a thirty year old. It's going to well, be an awkward jump, but yeah, if they stick to it, maybe we'll forget that that happened after a while. You know, people got over Sean Connery and the Roger Moore became everyone's favorite, right? And then Pierce Brosnan, and now and then now Daniel Craig, and it just Daniel Craig, sure. And in between, there was Tim Tim Dalton and George Lazenby. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about having a female 007. And it's just like, you know, we it's cool. Like, if you wanted to keep going and you want the adventures to keep going, just recast them. And it's all right. And it's going to be okay. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But um, I want to jump to, real quick, we got our first set photos from the Flashpoint movie. Here we got Barry Allen Iris West. We've got Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. And our first lock mm-hmm. at the Supergirl outfit. What do you think of the Supergirl outfit, Corbin? Because I know you like you're a big fan of these DC CW shows. It's cool. It's unique. Um, it, uh, it takes a little bit of inspiration from obviously the movies in that universe. I'd imagine, um, particularly Man of Steel with the emblem. Um, I don't know. It's kind of early, just for one shot. 
you know, I'm sure, you know, we don't have the cape yet and everything. So it's different. It's a unique take considering, like you said, you know, the way that the CW Supergirl and stuff are, um, it's a flashpoint universe. So I'm sure it's a different interpretation of that character. I wouldn't be surprised if there is another version of her or that's like one outfit of hers in the movie, you know, wearing the Superman, Superman or Supergirl colors. So it's cool. Um, it, it just seems like too early to tell from it, but I like the way it looks to begin with. It almost has a um. Is there going to be a cape? A Jonathan, it has like a, yeah, there will. I'm sure that this is like the CGI you know, cape exactly. Um, and I feel like it has a Jonathan Kent type of uh, costume design feel to it. I'm a little scared by the abs. I've never seen abs look so pointy like that. I feel like that's <laughs> something that's going to be added a little bit more into as well. But yeah, you're right. As far as the bodysuit is definitely um, definitely configured a certain way for sure so a little, little awkward roger morris his favorite bond there you go yeah, yeah i lost me with that <laughs> it is james bond stuff it was a little awkward um i can't see the comments i don't know why it gets a little uh can't respond a little bit more spider-man <laughs> vibes to me with the red and blue who is the actress playing supergirl um can't remember her name and her are name. we okay with should we should we even care that she's not a blonde, long hair blonde? Uh, let me get. Well, again, that. it's a flashpoint movie, so I feel like I feel like it could be a different. Um, so Sasha it's gonna be. Callie. It's got to be different. Okay. Sasha Kelly is her name. Yeah. Yeah, Sasha Kelly. Yep. Yeah. So I feel like exactly. I feel like it, it's a different a version of her or something. You know what I mean? Like this might not be the the final form. You know. Yeah. It's unique though. It's cool. I I think the colors are neat. Let's go ahead and uh, transition here to get into my top five comic books that released this week. Uh, we can get you guys' opinions on them, then we can get uh, Ish to give us a little bit of rundown about what's coming out next week, and then we'll talk a little bit about Batman Reptilian, because I'm interested to hear. I, we had specifically, I wanted to hear what Ish had to say about it, but what Chad in the chat had a specific request. He, he hit me up on Twitter, and he's like, look, this book is awesome. If you're going to review it, I need Corbin here. I need to hear what Corbin has to say about it. So Respect the solo. I miss you, buddy. Specific solo, my band. No, it was a different chat. It wasn't solo. What's up, Chad? It's it wasn't chat. solo. Nope, it's a different. Oh, chat. another sad. Yep. To a different chat, whoever you are, I thank so, you. He wants to hear Corbin. I appreciate you, sir. Wherever you are, Chad. All right. So let's solo, go. you're still cool. Still miss you. <laughs> let's get into it. My top five books this week. At number five, we have Ninja Turtles, one eighteen, um, written by. Um, uh, Sophie Campbell, the Shredder returns. Arokusaki has been in a, to Helen back. Wait, it's it's not Eastman. No, Eastman did. Oh, Eastman just did the cover B cover for it. No, oh, so, I thought he was writing that. No, nope. the Shredder returns. Arokusaki has been to Helen back, but will he now come to the turtles of friend or foe? Meanwhile, April makes a stand against Baxter Stockman with J- with dangerous consequences. Look, this series needs to pick up. Um, I just did. I'm doing the top five books that I pick up of what I read this week, and this series was my least favorite. I love the Turtles books, but it needs to pick up. It seems like after they killed off Splinter and killed off Shredder, um, this series kind of took a downturn in all of the depression that they're bringing to it of them dealing with the the loss of Splinter. But and now you've got this new like time hopping Shredder. It's it's kind of all over the place, so the series needs to, to get it together. Um, number four for me, Something's Killing the Children, 17, written by, written by James Tinian. What turns young Erica into the monster hunter she is today? Discover Erica Slaughter's true origin as she is further 
um, initiated into the House of Slaughter, but will she be sorted into the prestige white room or dreaded black room with her new nemesis, Aaron? This has been a great series. I actually, I've heard about this series. I've been picking it up, but haven't been reading it. I actually started reading it at 16, so I have to go back. But I, I think this, from the two issues I've read, this is a phenomenal series. Like, It's one of those things where you hear everybody talking about it, so I've been picking it up. But I'm like, the the hype is so like there on this book that you're almost like, I don't even want to read it just because it's so hyped up. Are, either you re- are you reading this ish? Actually, I'm not. We did just get the um, first three volumes of the trade paperback. So it is officially, well, okay, Christine, my wife, got them. Um, so it's officially in the queue to be read. There you go. Well, you have to let us know what you think of it. But I'm, like I said, after 16 and, and 17, because I kind of jumped on at this flashback story point, I'm, I'm loving it, and I got to go back and catch up. Number three for me this week was Robin number three, written by Joshua Williams. Uh, it's a beach party from hell. Robin's mission to get the heart of the League of uh, Lazarus inner workings has left him once again locked in a combat with his fellow fighters, but never did Damian Wayne think it would lead to a beach blanket cookout. What's more dangerous than a life or death struggle of all or nothing prize of immortality? Well, for Damien, it's acting like a normal teenager for five minutes, and don't miss the surprise confrontation with Damien's number one competition, a mysterious fighter trained by the League of Assassins. It's Connor Hawk. Spoiler, it's Connor Hawk. And they reestablished Connor Hawk as being the son of Oliver Queen in this. So Well, spoiler, it's on the, it says on the cover, Connor Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... The, the big spoiler is that they reestablished him as the the son of Green Arrow in this series. So I'm loving. Are either you are you reading this, Corbin? I am not. I'm trying to get back into the let's just say Bat Bat Family books, Robin, um, specifically Nightwing as well. But like, I have not been into those so far. That's interesting. I don't know. Robin Robin doesn't grip me. I'm more interested in Nightwing to be honest with you. What about you? Is she reading it? I am not. No, good book, man. It's a, first three issues. It's it's a fun book. I like I like Damien. Has a good rap. Yeah, he's probably one of my favorite Robins. Um, I, I like. Okay. I, I I honestly think personally between, um, the detective, uh, Nightwing, and Robin are the the top three titles coming out of DC right now. I kind of feel like Batman's falling off a little bit. But I think that whoa whoa why why would you think that the the current Tinian run of Batman is is definitely falling flat for me. Mm. So I have to I have to at least push back. It's it's just I, kind of in my contract. Hey man, I understand as the go to DC guy is <laughs> why you brought you here. But I say like I feel <laughs> I'm with you actually. I feel like Detective is good Batman writing right now. Uh, Robin and it just. And Nightwing are, are the go-to DC books right now for me. Of course, I'm like, Tom King's Batman, Catwoman. Yeah, well, oh, I said Tom King, and yeah, he had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> number two for me this week was Vinyl Number One, uh, written by Doug Wagner, uh, artist and cover art by David Stewart. When Walter's best friend, the FBI agent charged with his capture, is kidnapped by a death cult of all-female sunflower farmers. Walter finds himself deep within an underground labyrinth filled with secrets and monsters, but are all the monsters more horrific than his? If you like the book Plastic, this is written by the same guy that did the uh, series Plastic. It is brutal. It is violent. It is compelling. 
if you're into horror stuff and you liked plastic, I would say definitely check out vinyl issue number one. It was definitely worth the read for me this week. I picked it up on a whim. It's it's so good. Yes, Chad, you need to get into Nightwing, especially the new the current run of <clears throat> Nightwing. It's been so good. But vinyl number one or number one is number two for me this week. And then number one, we got Stray Dogs number five, written by Tony Fleece. Art by Trish Fosner. Time's up. No more sniffing around. No more barking. No more hiding. The dogs have been get uh, let out of the house. Um, but standing between them and freedom is their best friend and their worst nightmare. Big takeaway is the final issue. Uh, I love this series. If you're a dog fan, this series has been fantastic. Um, are you are you on uh, MCM tomorrow night ish? Uh, I believe so. Yes, so and you guys are gonna Tony Fleece will be yeah, on. talking to Tony and Trish tomorrow night. So, guys, definitely check out Modern Comic Mayhem over there on Tales from the Flip Side tomorrow night, talking about stray dogs with Tony. That's always a good time. I know Marco and and Kyle love talking to Tony, so you guys should have a great time with that. But that is my top five books of this week. That uh, if you're into comics or just getting into comics or looking for something to new read, why not check out my list? Um, I'm not going to I'm trying not to steer you wrong, but it is books I pick up every week um and I give you the best of the best out of that. So if you have any recommendations for books that aren't on my list that I'm not reading, hit me up at the um Absolute Geek Twitter, send me a message, let me know what I should be reading that I'm not paying attention to and uh I will definitely credit you with that and check it out. But all right, let's get into it. Let's get into what the people came to see. Batman Reptilian review. You want to you want to kick us off, Corbin? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm not gonna lie. It took me. It took me two readings of this book. Um, I expected something different. Uh, just setting the stage. Garth Ennis, Liam Sharp. Um, they're, they're the creative team for the book. In fact, the uh, Liam Sharp actually said that it was actually um, supposed to be a project between Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, and he's just trying to, you know, take it in the best way that he can. And it's really the first part of setting the stage of a story. Batman finds out that some of his Rose Gallery have just been brutally mutilated by, I mean, it's kind of in the cover, although it's not actually mentioned in this first book, um, by an unknown assailant, so we'll just go with that, and Batman's investigating that. That's kind of the synopsis of the book. Um, but what's really in what's really in depth for me is Garth Ennis's take on Batman. I expect it to be different. We've seen how he takes this almost whimsical type of um, tongue-in-cheek approaches to other heroes in the past. If you've read any of Punisher, you know, Preacher, other stuff that he's done, um, you kind of know that's with Garth Ennis. But reading that with Batman for me was weird because I wasn't quite putting his version of Batman with what I know Batman to be. And it was jarring, I'm not going to lie. Um, but reading it a second time, really taking it in where he was going with Batman, especially his approach with uh, different low-level criminals. You know, there's a scene where he, um, there's a person who is violated women who is getting off and um it, it batman confronts him and kind of goads him into taking a swing at him so that he can then put him down hard and the way that he does that it, it's it's so not batman it's so garth ennis but it, it really works for this Batman. he's a little bit of a snide jerk um sharp's artwork is just that it's, it's sharp it's, it reminds me of um the artwork from arkham asylum um that, that book back in 1980, I'm forgetting a horrible place. I got to get the name of the book right. You'd think I would have had that coming in. But 
it has a lot of the backdrop of Gotham, especially with the contrast of colors. If you look at, you know, scenes where Batman isn't present, especially in the beginning of the book, and then he comes, how it becomes, you know, sharp red and really focuses with the dark on these characters. It, it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a book that upon a second reading, I went from, ooh, I don't know if I like that, to not only do I like it, but I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Even though, you know, like I said, by the cover, we kind of already have, if you have an inkling of Batman's Rose Gallery, you kind of know at the end who this is. Um, and this is only book one of that. But it's it's giving a lot more of something to look forward to. So I'm, I'm going to give it definitely a lot more stars than I did when me and Matt first talked about this book. Um for me, out of five, I would probably say four, four and a half. Like, it's a solid book. I'm actually excited to see where this goes. It's a different take on Batman than, like Matt said, what we've been reading from James Tinian already. Um, it's a different take from, of course, the comics so far. But it's kind of a refreshing take as well. What do you think, Ish? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot, too. I'd give it a solid four stars. Um, it's funny, a lot of people, I guess just based on the title and the cover have told me that they, they they assume there's some sort of bat, batman actually transforms into a reptile or something like that oh for Which, real you know none of that that is definitely <laughs> the comic that's not the case that's yeah. not what this book is about nah. but um the cover you know art. it's yeah and it's written by garth ennis if i didn't know who the writer was i would have been like huh is this brian azarello because that's kind of that feel too good style a bit yep. to it um yeah the art is very striking and mm-hmm. You know, and it's not the first time we've seen this type of very art, heavy artsy art in a Batman book. So, you know, that's something nice to have once in a while. It's also not an Elseworlds book. It's not in the continuity, but it's just, looks like it's just a Batman story, just by Garth Ennis. And uh, I did want to point out when you mentioned that scene with the guy, he gets the, goads the guy into taking the swing at him. Yeah. The interesting, the artwork, then there's this panel at the bottom, and you never really mm-hmm. see what happened to that guy. I guess you assume he fell down the stairs, because of the mm-hmm. next panel, Batman's like, oh, the w- his wife has to wheel him around in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, wait, whoa, that guy's yeah. now paraplegic? And they showed none of it. So it's very you know, interesting. I'm- so mm-hmm. as creative as the art is, it also forces you to fill in some gaps with your own imagination. I, I, I love that you pointed that out, because exactly, this art was more like telling and not showing if that makes sense like it's not like sparse by any imagination exactly when they uh, they describe the injuries that the riddler in particular um suffered he was split from stomach to private area yeah 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 exactly we don't actually see that exactly we don't actually see that and you do see i love seeing kind of where the riddler's in pain it kind of just kind of blurs out where you know the presumed injury is of course but you see you know, Scarecrow and, and the Penguin kind of watching. And exactly, exactly. And it's like, that alone puts more of an image in my head than if you had tried to do it justice by illustrating that. As good as the artwork is, it that power of suggestion, like you said, really makes it become even more of its own in a book that, yeah, it, 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 like I said, upon a second reading, it just opened up things kinda that I kind of glossed over. I agree, especially the way they describe it. You're right. There's a, there's a couple panels that are just, just black. Black panels, just yeah. one after another. But and then you get something. Then you get another panel, and you're like, all right. You know. mm-hmm. And for $4.99, like, this is a beautiful book. Yes, I, I, I'm, yeah. And, and here's where I get the hate is I I really didn't like it. I re- okay. the cover. It, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's just a good question. Look, it was a hard read for me. I probably read it four times. All right. Like, 
uh, Stumbling Jedi, a.k.a. Chad, was like, "You have you read this book? You got to check it out. Go pick it up. And I was like, all right, cool. I went and picked it up because I passed on it on Wednesday when I was in the shop. I passed on it. And I went back yesterday and picked it up. And it was a hard read, like I said, four times. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get what this is like. What I don't get what this is going. Like I think, I think I'm gonna keep reading and a couple more issues into it. I'll get into it. But the art was phenomenal, and the art was phenomenal. But it also was, I think, the Achilles heel to this that took me out of a little bit because you get you get amazing stuff from it. Let me see if I can um, get this up here because I have pulled some panels, but it just doesn't wanna. Can I point out that the one for twenty five by Bill Sinkevitz was amazing? Let's see, get this up here. I don't know if you can pull that cover up, but that's worth checking out. Yeah, I can try. Um, here we go. So, I mean, you got panels like this, where like this Alfred looks lifelike, like the art is beautiful. Like here's what Corbin was talking about with with Riddler being split in two and Scarecrow and. Like, all this cool. Like, you get this beautiful art. Like, I think this is an amazingly drawn Batman right here. Mm-hmm. But then you get stuff like this. Like, the over-the-top, the, over big-nosed Joker, or, like, the... the gi- almost grotesque. Gigant- gigantic nose penguin, almost... Yeah, I feel like you have such beautiful art in part of this book, and then you... you just it changes to this you're kind of like what happened did they change artists mid-story like what what's going on with this like can i comment on that panel absolutely go ahead i feel like because the point when we get to that plot point um right with spoiler alert you know scarecrows obviously unleash something Uh on all the villains and then there's a moment where they say all the villains suddenly turn on each other and i think this is what they're seeing this is how they're seeing each other and this really, like, like you said, extreme, like extremely grotesque, exaggerated, and that's part of the impetus of why they ended up all savagely killing each other. I think it even says like the penguin was like nailed to the ceiling of the room. And, uh-huh. Yeah, I even want to. So I feel like they're under, they're under the, they're under the scarecrows, whatever it is. He came up with spell, poison, venom. We don't know yet. And then this is how they see each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going to even say yeah. even further than that. When it, you were describing that this is scareful, scarecrow's uh, influence on them in terms of how they put each other, but remember, this is also the recollection of a crook that Batman's interrogating. So maybe it's his own that's interpretation true. of what he's seeing that after being exposed to it as well. See, and that's why you two are two of the best in the business because I didn't see it like that. I didn't take <laughs> it as you know. Maybe you're seeing it through the eyes of like the way they saw it after the the fear toxin has taken over or. Whatever the scarecrow has done, that's that's how they see each other. Now, I I didn't take it. I was like that. Like, it honestly kind of pulled me out of the book a little bit. I was like, why? What's up with the chain? Like, it's beautiful art to to this craziness. And and I actually like the way there they actually kinda... was a page I thought you were gonna show. Oh, which one? Because there's I, there's um, I guess it has the Joker in it. I, I guess if you showed it, I could. So uh... I thought that would be okay. This might be. This might. This one might get disputed. Let's see. Uh, is it this one? No, no, that's the one we we're just talking about. Yeah, this one here. Joker's face in that is pretty crazy. Yeah, and I like to. I like how he's got green chest hair. <laughs> Almost like. 
Cracked magazine or Mad Magazine, like, exaggerated. Yeah. Also, what did Two-Face do to his hair? I get the one side looking a little wild. The Har- put the Harvey Dent in the background, yeah. Yeah, that's a little wild. Like, it's a little on the wild side, even for Two-Face. That's a pretty tame, that's a tame Two-Face compared to Joker, though. Oh, yeah. I love the way he drew uh, Clayface's mouth, his jaw. That, just uh, slightly, yeah, that's true. Little displaced, and, dangly mm-hmm. jaw, beautiful. But I love. And honestly, it was funny that this. I'm sorry, Matt. Oh. No, I was gonna say I love like the. I love the way they let some of the art go in this too. Like where there's times where like Batman just looks massively tall, like he's like nine foot tall and like towering over this dude. And I love the way they they took liberties with that and and just to like change that. But I, I was just like, man, like you look at this panel, like Poison Ivy looks amazing. Look at her, yeah. Yeah, Man Bat looks amazing and Killer Clock looks awesome. But then Joker is fantastic. like he really stands out. <laughs> yeah, and you got Clayface and even Harvey like I love that Harvey Dent. I love that Two Face. And then you got the the Scarecrow and but then Joker is just like what what is going on? Like he's got buck teeth and yeah, this is the one image in the book, this Joker face, where I was like, okay, huh. A little while there. <laughs> Get you on that. Getting the massive like body of like looking like the kingpin from into the spider verse or something. Like <laughs> uh, the coat the coat wire, the hanger, uh chest. Yes. Stretched out, yeah. But it, this was a solid start. I'm, I'm all in all. I'm glad I read it twice because reading it when we first talked early in the morning, I was like, I don't know how I felt about it. But then looking back and really like watching the panels, it, it really, it was like a you know difference between speed reading and actually like taking in the art. Yeah, it's definitely a setup issue. Yes, which sometimes is a weakness of a book. But for here, I was like, all right, you know, I had no problem with that. I'm curious for the and, next one. Yeah, and Gotham, I love the way he rendered it. Like it looks. You know, there's shadowy, dark areas. It looks lived in, but the contrast of colors from page to page, from, you know, venue to venue where he's at, it, it, it pops in a different way. And the backdrops, too, especially that scene that you're on right now. You know, looking even beyond Batman and the Crow, just in the just the backdrop it of Batman the rain. It's yeah. Exactly. Dense urbanization. S- yep. Exactly. I love it. I, I love, love it, so. this panel right here. Just this. I think that Batman is so it's well cold. drawn. It's cold. Yeah. It's... It's a beautifully drawn panel. Like that I, I just think that 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 little bit of Joker and Penguin took me out of it cuz I was like, man, this is a beautiful book and and then that Joker and Penguin took me out. I'm like, what what is this? But I'm going to have to go back and reread it with that mindset of maybe you're looking at it through someone who's been infected by fear toxin or how they see each other or or that different perspective because it's definitely perspective i didn't have before like look at like batman like towering over this dude yeah you know what i also i really liked about the book and scarf Ennis is his 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 diction his his use of language um there was one dialogue in particular towards the beginning where it's like wow I batman hasn't used like sophisticated words like that in a while mm-hmm. and i felt it was almost like if i use the word sophisticated more sophisticated than than tinian's version of batman and, you know, that's Garth Ennis, though. Mm-hmm. That guy really knows how to choose words and use them. Like, yeah, some of the stuff in the next issue. and Yeah, like, these are wild panels. Yeah, look at that Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Then you get some of the covers for it. Like, yeah, I, and even when the covers kind of tells, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a cool cover. 
This cover. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one. When, it, I had it, the, when I first got it, I had it upside down, and upside down, you see how the hands are choking Batman. Uh-huh. It's like You're wow. Me do it right now. But then if you look at like the last page or the penultimate page, I think, well, before that, the one with Batman with the eyes with the reptilian, I could see where that fan theory of him being, you know, the, wow, that's a nice image. Wow, yeah, that's well done when you look at it like that. Right. That's dope. Like, why can't we get that Joker back there? Like, why do we have to get the big nose? Just, <laughs> or well, like that yeah. penguin, and it's like the overly big nose, like. Well, I guess that's more classic art. I mean, with the exception of Batman, of the Rogues Gallery. You know, we didn't really get... I mean, all the interpretations of crooks in this were different, you know? Yeah. It was definitely... I'm, I'm trying to remember who did that. Now I'm going to do the research live, which makes me look bad. Let me check that out. But, yeah, that is a beautiful cover, though. The Yeah, a serious house on serious earth. Who did the artwork for that? Oh, Dave McKean. That's what it is. It's a lot of his influence in there. So... And that type of weird kind of growth. Yeah, at least in the early parts. I feel the most grotesque parts have that. Yeah, I think, but I mean, I'm interested that you, I'm interested to hear you guys give it such high reviews. I was kind of like, I got to see where this goes because I'm not, I'm not sold on this book yet. This is also a Batman and they reiterate it several times in the book. This is a Batman that does not kill. Right. And I thought that was, but he also says with a little bit of deliciousness, he's like, I don't want to kill you because I want to see you suffer for the rest of your life. (laughs) Don't forget. I value human life. Like just being that guy, you know, pop up where he lives. Don't worry. I'm not going to kill you though. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I don't want to give any way secrets, but you've never seen me and Batman in the same room at the same time. Think about it. Oh boy. Oh, wow. I mean, I've also never seen Batman not clean-shaven outside of, like, you know, Batman Venom and some other durations, so you're right. So, I mean, you could very well be the Bat. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> but, yeah, interesting. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where this goes. Don't get it. Good starting point. It was. But, all right, so to end the show-ish, I'm going to turn it over to you. What comes out next week that everyone should be on the lookout for in their – Okay. Books, I think, are pretty cool books next week. Definitely worth checking out. Um, First one would be Avengers Mech Strike. Uh, I feel that's kind of a book that's been flying under the radar. But it's very cool. They're at issue number four. It's a five-issue series. And it's one that's actually worth maybe specking on the entire series because one day, if they ever do this in the movies, Avengers wearing these mech suits, their first appearance, and the villains include Thanos, Kang. So there's big players in here. So it's Avengers Mech Strike is worth checking out. The other one's the Black Cat Annual. So they're starting this uh, Infinite Destinies kind of crossover miniseries. And if you're interested in that, then the Black Cat Annual is kind of, a, a I believe, a centerpiece to that whole crossover. And uh, she's so supposedly going to do some wild things. And spoiler alert, involves Black Cat and the Infinity Stones. Uh, next will be Black Widow number eight. Um, I feel this was nominated Eisner Award nominee for best new series, and it's it's been a hot book and it get high praise. Kelly Thompson, um, the artwork's really good, and it seems like a pretty fast paced, you know, interesting thriller. The other one is Crossover number seven by Donny Cates. Um, Cro- no, I don't know if Crossover's it, losing that steam one actually, or not. That one's actually Chip Zdarsky, isn't it? I think is this Zdarsky Cates, instead of Cates? Yeah, Zdarsky's oh. taking over on issue seven. 
Oh, I did. You know, I did not know that. That actually, that gives it a bump in my book. I'm a big Zdarsky fan, so if if people felt that crossover was cooling off, injecting Zdarsky into it might breathe a whole brand new life into this. Next up would be Daredevil number three, also a multi Eisner Award nominee. Um, this probably a lot of Marvel fans feel this is the one book again, Chip Zdarsky. This is the one book that's just been killing it. You know, 30, 31 issues in now. Next up would be Department of Truth, number 10. You know, we all know that's a super hot book. After that, this kind of may be my more personal bias, but Dune, House of Atreides, number eight. I don't know if you guys are Dune fans, and I've been checking the out book, those books. Not the yeah. Well, there's the, the original book, novel. Right? Yeah, that's all that's yeah. what I know. Okay, well, there's been a, a, a series now by Boom Studios, which is a prequel to the book, House of Atreides. Oh, wow. And, you know, obviously this is all, they're doing this because the new movie's coming out later this year, which was of supposed course. to have come out last year. And, uh, you know, and I'm super looking forward to that movie. And so it's kind of cool to have this um, prequel series and number eight is coming out. Next up, um, if you're a Spider-Man fan, then you cannot miss the giant size, amazing Spider-Man chameleon conspiracy. So if even, you know, reading Spider-Man at all, then you know that this is, this is going to be a big issue you know, in the current story arc. So Spider-Man fans do not miss Chameleon Conspiracy. And then we have a new number one, and this is from Cullen Bunn and Andrea Moody. It's called Parasomnia, um, a horror book where a father, I guess, has to kind of cross over to the dark side to find his son. It involves a cult. And, you know, Cullen Bunn, very, you know, this guy's got a great reputation, and especially in the horror genre. And uh, Andrea Moody, you know, has been killing it on books like... Um, was it Bunny Mask? Um, uh, was the uh, Maniac of New York, I believe. Yep. Uh, so see, I wouldn't so this is definitely a, a number one worth checking out, especially if you're into, into horror, so Parasomnia. The next up is something I'm really looking forward to, Red Room Number 2 by Ed Pisco. I'm a huge Ed Pisco fan. Red Room Number 1 might be one of the most messed up comic books I've ever read. Yes, it is. But it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant and beautiful and horrific and disgusting and like just all sorts of superlatives. Um, you know, it's sit on the front cover, banned in five countries for number two now. He's upped his game. He's banned in eight countries now. So you got to love that piss score. <laughs> Shout out to his channel too, Cartoonist Kayfabe. Um, up next, Spawn, number 319. Now, the one reason why this is, I mean, obviously if you read Spawn, then you're just going to get the next issue. You're not going to miss it. But if you're thinking of getting into Spawn, um, just this week came out the new Spawn Universe number one. I don't know if you guys checked that out. I did. I picked up uh, the one of the Capullo covers. Okay, oh, not, Cap not Capullo. So, I mean, Campbell. this is Jay Scott Campbell covers. Sorry. Okay, the Jay Scott Campbell cover. Mm -hmm. And so this has kind of been building. There's been a lot of hype the last couple months. Obviously, that McFarland's taking Spawn to the next level, and they're blowing it wide with the whole Spawn universe characters, spinoffs team-ups they're really going all out so if you're interested in getting on jumping on the train with that and of course you got to get regular spawn 2 319 so then next up is um one book the marvels i don't know if you guys read number one and two it's marvels mm. number three comes out an interesting book kind of uh i guess we can call it an elseworlds marvel tale 
And that's got some good stuff that's worth checking out. And then my last pick is also kind of a personal pick, Two Moons, number five. Um, Two Moons is a really good series. It takes place during the American Civil War, but um, it's a it's a mix of horror and, I don't know, Carlos Castaneda. There's a lot of, like, psychedelia, so to speak, in that. Two Moons is a very, very cool book worth checking out. So those are my picks for next week. Awesome. All good stuff, man. Can't wait. Big week next week. But, all right, well, I want to, as we end it tonight, I want to thank Corbin and Ishtavan for stopping by to talk a little bit Batman Reptilian. Thanks for having me on. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Well, we're going to, we're going to, you guys are going to see more of Ish. We're going to, we're going to do some good things together. So we're going to get Ish on here some more. And it's always Corbin, always got an open invite. But, uh, Appreciate you, you, so are you both going to be on MCM tomorrow night? You're going to be there too, Yeah, best of, my, best of my knowledge. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. All right, well, if you guys want <laughs> say more. Like I, say like I didn't know. <laughs> if you guys want more Corbin and Ish, check them out tomorrow night on Modern Comic Mayhem along with Kyle and uh, Marco, all the crew over there. It's always a good time on, on Saturday nights. If you got nothing better to do and you want to listen to some comic talk and uh, play the drinking game and just have a good time, um, go check them out there. Check out the interview with, with Tony Fleece about the final issue of Stray Dogs. Yeah, here I'm sure Corbin will be talking more about oh, nice shirt over there. Fantastic Appreciate it, man. Shirt. Thank good you. Good shirt, Corbin. Good Thank shirt. Thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah. Hey, real, real quick. Go ahead. Of that shirt, we were just placing the initial orders at the shop today, and we Ooh, finally got, got to Batman eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yes. And yes. Superman seventy eight too. Both those yes, series. Sir. I'm really excited for that. Yes, we're gonna get Billy, D- to Billy D. Williams as Two Face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Very excited where this goes. But. Yeah, if you guys are like any of the books you saw on the show tonight or want to pick any of them up, go v- give Isha a visit at Fantastic World Comics in Scottsdale, Arizona. He'll hook you up with any of the books you've seen on the, on tonight's show or anything that's coming out next week. He'll he'll get you taken care of. Um, and, guys, as always, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me and, and giving me your opinions on Batman Reptilian. And that's going to do it for this week, guys. And we'll see you next time. Peace out. Shout out Stumbling Jedi. Yes. Stumbling Jedi. The guy that wants to know what Corbin has to say about that. <laughs>